ButcherBox delivers healthy 100% grass-fed beef, organic chicken, and pork directly to your door. All their products are humanely raised and free of antibiotics and hormones. You can think of them as the neighborhood butcher for modern America. Each box comes with 7 to 10 pounds of meat, which is enough for about 20 individual-sized meals, depending on how big you are and how hungry you are. You can choose from four different box types. All beef, beef and chicken, beef and pork, or the mixed box. Uh, My favorite would be the all beef. You can also customize your box with add-on types like bacon, ribeye, and beef bones. I love that stuff. You get some high-quality bacon, you get ribeye, which is the best steak you can get, and beef bones are how you make beef broth. It's basically your meat for the month in a box. They also include step-by-step recipe cards and a note from the butcher describing the cuts and farms featured that month. I've seen these guys everywhere from Mark Sisson Show to the Today Show, and for good reason. Sourcing high-quality meat you can trust is hard, especially in some areas of the country. And the fact that they deliver for free nationwide is pretty cool. By taking out the middleman, grocery stores, and purchasing direct from farms, ButcherBox can help you buy meat at a lower cost, and then you benefit from that. So it's a cool business model that makes sure you get the best value instead of just passing it off on the supply chain. The price is just $129 a month, which works out to less than $6.50 a meal. Every box comes with enough meat for at least 20 individual-sized meals, and shipping is free nationwide, except for Alaska and Hawaii. Sorry, guys. Order now and get free 100% grass-fed burgers. You get six six six-ounce burgers in your first box. And use the code BULLETPROOF to get an extra $10 off. Get started by visiting butcherbox.com slash bulletproof. You can cancel any time without penalty, so give it a try. Visit butcherbox.com slash bulletproof to get your free 100% grass-fed burgers. You get six of them and $10 off with the code bulletproof. Get your meat now. That's butcherbox.com slash bulletproof. Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds, and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com. What if there was a way to feel younger for longer? Well, there is. Your body needs something called the NAD plus molecule to help you age well. When you're young, your body makes a lot of NAD plus, and that helps you make energy. It helps you keep your DNA healthy, absorb nutrients well, and it protects your cells from stress. But once you hit about 30, your NAD plus levels start to drop. The good news is that longevity scientists have found some things that can help, like niacin, niacinamide, and niagen. They help your body make more NAD plus even as you age. All three of these are in an amazing formula called Qualia NAD plus. Check out Qualia NAD plus risk-free for up to 100 days at neurohacker.com slash Dave15 to save an extra 15%. That's neurohacker.com slash Dave15, Qualia NAD+. It's what I use. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. 
Today's cool fact of the day is that there's a direct relationship between the bacteria in your gut and the myelin. This is the insulation on the nerves in the front of your brain called the prefrontal cortex. The more insulated your nerves are, the better they work. And it appears that some gut bacteria actually inhibit neuron function and basically they can make you stupid. Today's guest is none other than James Altucher. James is a successful entrepreneur, an angel investor, chess master, prolific writer. He's started and run only like 20 companies, which, you know, geez, only 20. Uh, Of those, 17 have failed, and three have made him tens of millions of dollars. So he's a global playboy. Oh, okay, maybe not. But uh, (laughs) when I stay home. Yeah, what exactly. Well, one of really interesting guys uh, that I know, and his writing's been all over the place, like Wall Street Journal, New York Observer, TechCrunch, Financial Times, Yahoo Finance, and he runs uh, the well-known podcast, The James Altucher Show. And if you haven't heard the show, you owe it to yourself to check that out. It's a Particularly good show. the three episodes that a young man <laughs> named Dave Asprey has been on. Yeah, those were my favorite episodes, I have to say. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it's, uh, let's see, you should always read his blog, jamesaltucher.com, which has had about 20 million readers. And let's see, you're the author of 18 books, including some Wall Street Journal bestsellers, The Power of No, Choose Yourself, and Reinvent Yourself. So, James, welcome, and this is not your first time on Bulletproof Radio. Well, Dave, thanks for having me on the show. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm a, I'm a big fan, obviously. Uh, well, and likewise, I, I appreciate what, you're, what you've done and what you're doing, just the way you think about stuff. You're, you're very purposeful in what you do. And today, I want to interview, interview about something that it is intriguing to me. We'll call it the the anti-minimalism podcast. I, I okay. just did an interview with the minimalist guys, and it went really, really well. It's fascinating. Good guys, and I like them, and there's I'm not, when I say anti, it's not a judgment, yeah, right? Like, everybody has their own philosophy of life that makes them happy, and, you know, I think you rather than subscribe to any one other person's philosophy, you should sort of choose the one that, that fits you. Okay. What you did over the last year is a little bit nutty, I would just say, where you got rid of most of your belongings and you started living out of Airbnbs. Right. So so um, a little over a year ago, I threw out uh, not some or most, I threw out all of my belongings. Uh, maybe I left myself with, what I did was I was away. And I had a lease coming up on two different apartments for that I was renting, uh, one in the city, one in the town uh, by my kids. And while I was away, I had a friend of mine I paid to go to both places and either sell, keep, donate, or throw out a hundred percent of the items. Like I don't want any. I don't want to ever go to those apartments again. I don't want to deal with the almost fatigue of trying to figure out how to like, once again, manage all of these objects and possessions. And you, most people don't realize they, most people don't realize how many objects they have. Like if you take all of your objects and kind of put them in garbage bags. And I know this because I've seen the photos now of my own objects. It's like a hundred garbage bags worth of stuff. And I don't, I wasn't really living a maximalist life before, but you just accumulate over years and decades, all of this stuff. And so I got rid of everything and I didn't want to deal with renting again because um, renting also is kind of like extra work I don't it, want to do. It's high friction. It's high It's high friction. It's, it's all these credit checks and references. <laughs> and the last time I rented, I had to do f- five references. People, ha- I had to call up people and ask them to write f- letters, five people. Then I had to have my lawyer write a letter. Then my accountant write a letter. 
then because I've never been in debt in my life, I've never had a credit card, um, my credit score was was wacky. So I had to meet every single person in the building and explain why I didn't live like the normal American <laughs> and accumulate all this debt that I would then pay yeah. off for years. You know, here's so that, the companies I've sold, you know, wave your bank account balance. Like, how do you even have that conversation? That's hilarious. Okay. It, it was hilarious. Yeah. And, and everything went fine, but I just, I didn't want to. And then of course, uh, because of that, I still had to put down two months security deposit, first month's and last month's rent. And then you have the normal thing where when you rent a place, you have to buy all sorts of furniture and maintenance yeah. and all that. So I figured, you know what? I'm just going to do Airbnb so I could experience other lifestyles whenever I mm -hmm. want, or I could stay in places for longer if I want. And I can, um, I can vary it up a little and see how other people live and, and not worry about all of the may maybe hundreds of mini decisions that used to kind of follow me around from place to place. And so, so I've been doing this now a year, almost a year, a year, almost to the day. So I've written a lot in, in Headstrong and the Bulletproof Diet about decision fatigue and just how making dumb decisions takes your life. And I religiously avoid as many of those decisions as I can. Like, I don't know what day of the week it is. I don't know where I'm going next. It's all on my phone. And I, like anytime I can outsource that. But I got to say, it, running a house is a pain in the ass, whether it's rented or even purchased, which is another huge amount of friction. So you you adjusted your life to just reduce friction rather than to be minimalist. Right. So in, in many of your books, uh, you talk about your story and how you were sensitive to these mycotoxins, these small toxic, you know, materials in the, in the yeah. environment. So I will say I wanted to avoid kind of almost the uh, decision equivalent of mycotoxins yeah. because they float around everywhere and each one makes you a little bit weak, right? Right. Like, like there's, of course there's big decisions like who should I be in relationships with? Where should I live? And all that stuff. But then there's just thousands of mini decisions where, uh, oh, who, uh, my Wi-Fi is, is, is down. Like who, who do I call to fix it? Or, or <laughs> little things like I got to buy a chair for this, or I've got to, you know, maintain this. And there's, there's all these little decisions you have in maintaining possessions and maintaining a house. And I wanted to avoid all of them. And so what I wanted to do was make a larger percentage of the day, every day, let's say we make 10,000 choices, yeah. big and small. So I wanted to make more, a bigger percentage of my choices about what I really want to do as opposed to things that I have to do or choices I have to make. And, and you can't be a hundred percent um, but you can get, you know, fairly close. You, know, you can get higher and higher. So like, for instance, this mm -hmm. podcast is something I wanted to do. I choose to do it. Right. So uh, I wake up in the morning. I'm in a, I didn't have to buy the bed. I didn't have to buy a place with my view. I, I picked an Airbnb and picked the ideal place and there for two weeks. And this is where I'll be. So it's an easy decision. I could change views later. <laughs> change furniture but later. What about like packing up all your crap? Like I, I'm for the, the, I have three outfits okay. in one bag and I have another bag with a computer and a tablet and uh, a phone. And I have right in front of me, your book headstrong <laughs> and I have a pen and a waiter's pad. Wow. And what do you do with my book when you're done reading it? Oh, I'll give it away. Cool. So, uh, because I don't, I, I read a lot of books for my podcast and I ha I have to give them away be unless I'll get them on my Kindle, but okay. I have to give away the the physical the, copy. Right? Yeah. So and by I, the way, I love physical copies of books. Yeah. This is not about being a hundred percent happy. People kind of think, oh, I need a philosophy that's going to make me a hundred percent happy. I love physical books, but 
I, it's not worth it. I'm making a philosophy to I'm just going to have my books on my Kindle so that I can minimize the things I, I carry around. I, I miss things. I'm sentimental for some of the things I've thrown out, but it's not about uh, being perfectly happy all the time. It's about today making as many choices as possible that I want to make. I absolutely love what you're saying. In uh, in my travels, especially with Bulletproof, I've had a chance to, to meet some fantastically wealthy people uh, who with tens to hundreds to even billions of dollars and to help them with their cognitive performance biohacking stuff. And one thing that a lot of them have is nice houses, but they also have like a household manager. And this is someone who makes between like 40 and probably $100,000 a year whose job it is to do, and probably more in New York or something, but but it, it's their job is to run the house. So I don't know where groceries come from. The grocery fairy brings them. The smoke detector has a problem. I don't know. The smoke detector fairy does it. This is the fairy conjurer person. Yes. Yeah, so the first time I sold a company, and I'm yeah. sorry to interrupt, yeah, no, but, it, but it, it, it just reminds me, the first time I sold a company, this is 1998. This was Reset, all, right? That yeah, yeah. Right. And then I, all of a sudden I bought a house and you know bought a really nice place. And suddenly the next thing I realized, I was never alone in the house. There was always <laughs> people there. I wouldn't even know who they were. There was always like people around doing mm-hmm. things. And that's a stress also. Like, I don't need to deal with any of that right now. Um, and, I, and I really wanted to avoid it. Another thing I wanted to mention is the groceries. So I never shop for groceries. So I do, I'm going to I'm gonna call it the Airbnb diet. Maybe you'll appreciate <laughs> this. But uh, I have no food in the house. Sure. And the reason is uh, I, you can't, you can't order delivery from a restaurant and say, okay, I'll have a bag of Doritos for dessert. Like there's no, no restaurant menu will have a bag of Doritos on the, on the dessert menu. So the worst I can do is a slice of cake, um, is the worst thing <laughs> in my diet. But in general, I won't order the desserts thing. Cause I know I, I don't, I won't be exposed to anything that I know I will, I won't have the willpower to avoid, particularly at night. So I'll just order what I think is healthy. So I'm not exposed to the things that are not necessarily healthy. And and in the past year, I've probably lost like between 15, 20 pounds. Nice. Yeah, just from doing this. Even though I, you're eating out all the time. Even though I'm ordering delivery all the time. Oh, I, don't, I don't really like to leave. Once I'm in these beautiful apartments that I'm eating, I don't like to leave them too much. Okay. So you're, you're a bit of an introvert. Bit of an introvert. All right. Now, I was going to say, why didn't you consider a household manager? Did you have one when you made all your money? I know you lost it, but that's part of your story. It's something we have in common. I made $6 million and lost it. You made like yeah. ten or fifteen and lost it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I had, I, you know, I had everything under the sun. So it's just crazy. It's crazy what you can do with money, yeah. and then you do it. So now the other thing is, is that I have a discipline in the sense that, oh, okay, I thought, I, the other day, uh, I thought about getting a, a new kind of camera so I could do Facebook Live easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the, I dis, but then I was like, Mevo. okay, yeah. it's not in my discipline to have an extra device, so I don't buy it. It's an easy decision. So I make an easy decision, because all the time I want new things, but it's an easy decision. I don't buy anything new. <laughs> wow. Just don't buy anything new. It, it's, it's pretty different from what I do. I, I run an organic farm. I should say more accurately. Uh, my, You're a farmer. <laughs> uh, more accurately, I live on an organic farm that provides all of my food, and I fund the organic farm. But I mean, I, I'll pull weeds on weekends with the kids. But for the most part, we have gardeners, and my wife is kind enough to like organize all that stuff. So she does some of the management, and I have like another guy who helps me out. 
And like between running a company where you have assistants all the time and running a complex, a farm, it basically is another business. Um, yeah, there's always people around and things like that. And then because I'm a professional biohacker, I have a giant laboratory full of huge things, right? And yeah, there is a, a cognitive burden just having all this crap that needs maintenance, even though it's useful crap. So I, I like the idea of being able to to just use what you want when it's, when you want to use it, even if, so, if someone else is and they manage it. And this works like health clubs. Like you could buy a universal machine at home as a clothes hanging rack, or you could just go to the gym the once a month you're actually going to go do it. And so you're sort of doing this with everything in your life. Right. So, so um, we sort of live in um, this, let's, let's not call it the sharing economy. Let's call it the access economy. So what you do, what you just described with the um, universal health machine or universal fitness machine yeah. is that you don't want to own it, but you want to have access to it. So that's why you get a gym membership to have access to what you need for, for health. So what I want to do is have access to anything I need to make a living, to live, to be productive and so on. But I don't want to own anything. And I kind of feel in general, we're moving towards that as an economy, um, where the, the need, unless you have kind of a fetish for luxury, which, which of course many people do, um, you don't really need to own as many things. You can just have access to them. For instance, why would I spend, uh, let's call it a hundred thousand dollars for a nice SUV when every day I can take a $10 Uber when I need one, you know, why would I buy, uh, uh, uh let's say in New York city, a, a $2 million, you know, one bedroom apartment, which is what they cost in New York, when for three hundred bucks I could stay stay in one without putting it down two hundred thousand dollars and getting into massive debt. Uh, so, so all of these decisions become a lot easier. Like scary financial decisions become easier, and then the, the smaller ones as well, like the what we were saying with the groceries. Do you think that what you're proposing is something that someone with a normal paycheck could even consider? Yeah, because uh, I would say. You know, the Airbnbs are a little more expensive than renting, but A, uh, Airbnb often, uh, many apartments on Airbnb offer a significant monthly discount if you stay for a month, which which translate to almost rent. Second, you're not buying furniture. You're not buying any kind of renter's insurance. You're not paying extra electricity bills or air conditioning bills or whatever. Um, now, presumably that's baked into the price, but that's fine. Right. It's baked into the price. So I just don't have to think of all these things. It's like consolidated into one price on Airbnb. Usually when somebody's renting an Airbnb for a month or more, they're living someplace else and they just want to kind of break even on you know, the Airbnb or make a little bit of money, which is fine. I'll pay for that for them to make a little bit of money so I can avoid all these extra hassles. So you don't have to pay your bills and that's actually worth a lot. Yeah, like who wants to sit down once a month and write, th you know, 10, 15, 20 checks out? That's a, for me, that's a stress. I have, oh, huge stress, I have all this stress about money. I don't want to deal with it. So yeah. this is like, everything happens through, uh, you know, and it doesn't have to be Airbnb, although that's what I use, but there's many different websites and, and ways to do this. Sometimes if, if a friend's going out of town for a month, I get a month free in their apartment, nice or not nice. It doesn't matter to me. So I just need to, I like to write as much as possible. I like to do my podcast. I run a business, but my, I hired or, or I work with, uh, somebody who manages uh, the employees, and so I don't have to deal with the day-to-day -day business decisions. And unlike you, you're more uh, involved day-to-day -day in your business, and so you you have to be there. But I focus on the writing and the content part.
Yeah, I'm working on focusing more on podcasts and writing and content because that's where I add some unique value and just hiring really good operators to, to help scale If you hire stores. a really good operator, not only does your business become better, like I'm not the best operator, I know this. Yeah, neither am I. So, so it's better for me to hire a better operator who, who's someone who's passionate about operating um, and for me to focus on the things that I love and I'm good at. And again, it's about what percentage of your day are you making choices that you like. Now, if you have, so so I divide time with my kids, uh, with my ex-wife. So if you have kids, when my kids are with me, they travel around with me from Airbnb to Airbnb. I was about to ask you that. So how old are the kids? 18 and 15. Okay, so they're old enough that they're totally chill. They can take an Uber by themselves and that works. Right, and I, yeah. I think I think if they were babies, I wouldn't be able to live this lifestyle. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying I'm not recommending this for anybody. And and you know, there's there's two branches of minimalism. There's like the minimalists that you've spoken to, yeah, who and good they have guys, the, yeah. the, the they have the documentary on Netflix. Good guys, and they're they're um, you know, they they buy a few things, they keep live simple lives, and they're they're very good guys. And then there's the kind of Marie Kondo branch, which is like, <laughs> uh, oh, I'm gonna put every object on the ground, and then I'm gonna hold it to my heart, and if I love it, I keep it. <laughs> That's a lot of work. Like I can't <laughs> I can't do that. And then. <laughs> You know, and again, it's not about being like just having around all these objects that I love. I why why is she so much in love with all these objects? Have you had her on your show? I haven't. No. So I, I want to interview her, and I, I'm gonna maybe she won't want to interview me or she want me to do it because I'm just gonna have to say this. So I read her book. And I found her book fascinating. Yeah, it's a like, great book. Is it really well written? And she deserved to be on the New York Times list for like a gazillion years. Yeah. The, the book is worth a read. Unfortunately, my wife Lana read the book. And I have now renamed Marie Komodo to, to Marie Komodo, as in Komodo Dragon, because it caused my wonderful wife, Dr. Lana, to try and hide my coffee maker and all of my coffee paraphernalia under the counter, which is unacceptable as a human being to not be able to make coffee every morning. And pretty soon I'm like, our house is a, a beautiful expanse of loving emptiness, and I can't find anything I do. So the amount of time it takes me to do anything just quadrupled, and I was wasting all my time making sure the house looked all empty, and it just made me want to bang my head on the wall. Right, so, so that's a, that's a stress. It, it totally so, was. So I find some kind of minimalism <laughs> to be stressful. So I'm not criticizing them. It's just for yeah, me. It's what works for you, right? I, I hear you. And I, I call it more choicism. I'm really about. I love that name. You know, make you know, eliminate as many difficult choices, even minor difficult choices as possible. And just, just make it as easy as possible. It's life is hard in general. Like every day of life is hard and, uh, make it as easy as possible to make the choices to do the things you love to do. And it's not always possible to do that, but you just want to increase your odds. That is, uh, it's a very interesting way of looking at it. And you're the first person I've come across who, who's taken it to this extreme. And I, I share your absolute, uh, what's called aversion, uh, to making useless decisions. Uh, I find things like self-service uh, on websites to be irritating. Like, I'm sorry, you should have a, someone to handle that because that's your job. You're the company. Like, don't ask me, Mr. Credit Card Company, to make me do extra work because you didn't want to pay your people to do it. Like, how about this? I'm not going to do it. Right. And, or or um, I don't have voicemail, for instance, on my phone. So What's one, voicemail? It's like a fax, right? <laughs> so, But a lot of people do have, like, you know, voicemail on their phone. And you call them and they, they would call and then I'd have some message, you know, don't worry, I'll call you back soon. 
I'm not calling them back ever. So yeah. so now yeah. nobody can leave a message. <laughs> and I don't pick up the phone either. So yeah. uh, they can text me, but you're not necessarily obligated always to return texts. But voicemail, I feel like there was that obligation. Well, I, I went through this. I maybe was an early adopter of the voicemail is evil. And when I was working in Silicon Valley, I, I did this. I was like, I'm spending two hours a day checking like transcribing voicemail before they had transcription services. Like, this is horrible. So it, at first it was, please just send me an email. Really, like, here's my email address. Like, like I probably won't check this very often. And now where I live, I'm in a relatively small town, and Canada is a little bit technologically behind the U.S., to be perfectly honest. And I love Canada. I, I'm grateful to be living there. Are you from Canada originally? No, I've just been a, I'm a permanent resident. I've been living there for eight years. Okay. And I live on in a, on an island in a small town, and it's it's lovely. Bald eagles, and I look out over Salt Spring Island and grow my own food, and I'm close to an airport. Like it, it's perfect for young kids. And the problem is everyone wants to call you and leave voicemail. And finally, I had to turn. They didn't know what to do when they didn't get voicemail, so I, I turned it up back on. It's like, listen, there is no chance ever that I will listen to or return this voicemail. You must not leave a voicemail. You have to send a text message, or I will never get this. Right? Yeah, that, that strong of language, and it works half the time. The rest of the time, like I tried to leave you, I left you a voicemail. Like I don't know, I, I, you can never pay me enough, and you will never get me to check a voicemail for the rest of my life because anything I do has higher value to me than checking voicemail. So here, here's another thing related to that. Um, and people are are particularly given the recent election cycle, people are are somewhat critical of this. But I never. Uh, read the news. So I don't read any newspapers. I don't go to CNN.com. That's where the high five right there. So, <laughs> because like, what are you gonna? What are you going to read today in the news that will make your life better? There's almost yeah. nothing. Like I'd rather read a book. Like we have your book Headstrong right in front of me. I'd rather spend that. You only have limited amount of time. So I'd rather read a book that this was two or three years or twenty years oh, of your God. curated yeah. thoughts boiled down into 400 pages or 300 pages that I could read and learn from as opposed to reading about, I don't know, whatever, Kim Kardashian and Kanye West might get a divorce, which I hope they don't. But, you know, I haven't read, I, I, I don't read. And, you know, the same goes for the Twitter feed and the Facebook feed. I don't go down that at all. It It's an interesting one. There's a a plugin for Facebook now that you can get on your browser that actually takes out the news feed. Oh, interesting. Which is, so you can still use Facebook to communicate, but you don't ever see the feed, which is kind of cool. I'm not remembering its name right now, but if you Google for it, you'll find it. It's like, don't bother me or something like but that. But I just don't hit home on the Facebook page. Yeah. So I'll, I'll see my timeline and I'll see my messages on Facebook. That's actually the main way people message with me right now is on Facebook. Is on Facebook. But, but I don't use, I don't look at the, the news feed because again, I'd rather read a book. I, I'm very... Uh, we're both 49 years old. So there's I'm only, only 44. I just look 49. <laughs> so I figure I have, we're about the same. I, I have give or take 15,000 days left to live. Yeah. A third of those. We could give you more if you want. I, I know you're trying to live to be 180. I don't even want to live to be 180. I'm fine with 90. I, I hear you. So, so, uh, 5,000, a third of my life, I'll be asleep. So I've we, we give you less time. sleep, man. Come on. I know. I gotta. <laughs> you do. Kidding. You do five to six hours. I sleep eight hours. I, maybe I'll get down. I, to, I keep interrupting your point. I'm just giving you. No, time. no. Keep but maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna start taking the the advice and headstrong, and I, I wouldn't mind sleeping five to six hours. But right now I need eight. Yeah, I hear you. And um, you know, you only have limited time. Do you read Donald Trump's tweets or do you read uh, a good book? I, I have struggled. I, I'm happy we're talking about this. This is more of like a two way thing than, than I oftentimes do in these interviews. I've struggled with that thing. I. 
I don't watch the news. It is toxic to your nervous system. You want to put yourself in fight or flight, have your mitochondria tweaking all the time. It's like a constant barrage of threats and bad things that happen to other people that make you think they could happen to you. And by the way, they they specifically do the news to trigger fight or flight, yeah. right? Because it's really fight, flight, or freeze. So they yeah. want you to freeze to keep staring at the news. Yeah, it's good for selling ads. And there might be valuable stuff in the news, but the signal to noise is terrible. So what I ended up doing is a little different than you on Facebook. I I spent time training the Facebook algorithm. So I got through, show me less posts like this. And, and I managed to get all the political crap out of my feed. Like it's just, it's That's gone. Good. And it, yeah, it takes whatever, a, a couple hours. Just, no, no, no. Never show me this person's random rants again. No, no, no. And now I actually rely on my friends and to a certain point, a couple other algorithms because there's the, you're probably on Facebook mentions like the influencer app. You have to have a lot of followers. So they don't even give it to you. But what it does is it, intelligently lets my friends tell me what matters. So when I post on my Dave Asprey page, I'm finding all this amazing, cool research and stuff, but I'm not the sole source of that. It's all the people who are my friends who talk about cool stuff and then algorithmically it's filtered. So for me, that serves as the equivalent of news because it's carefully okay. curated. I, I could I could see that. I mean, what I, what I typically do is, because people say, you know, it's shameful if you're uninformed about what's going on with politics, particularly it, today's it's day and age. It's not shameful. It means that you have a life. <laughs> right. And also, what I, the way I view it is the news, at best, is the rough draft of history. So I would rather, uh, you know, see kind of a more final form. Like, there's this whole debate now. What's fake news? What's real news? We don't even know it's all what the facts news. are. Right. It's all, every single bit of it. it. Whether it's partisan or not, it's all fake news. It was crafted for you to listen to it, not necessarily based on what happened. I mean, I used to go on a lot of news shows, particularly when I was, you know, I was running a hedge fund. I was more involved in the yeah. finance space, and I remember a producer once telling me, uh, "All we're trying to do is fill the space between ads." So, and that's coming from the producer of a major news show. Wow. So, so, you know, it just, it just, uh, kind of right there and then, I stopped with TV right. news, and then later on, I, I decided, you know what, I could be reading the New York Post or I could be reading like a great short story and book, and I'd rather read the book. Do you read some of the the more like the longer, more thoughtful, like New Yorker articles or Atlantic or the? the I don't, but I yeah. might read what comes out once a year, the best American essays of the prior okay. year, and then I'll get you know, or if someone really says you have to read this one essay and you know these things, but. In general, I just stick to to books, but that I think are gonna both educate and entertain me. So you're really on the extreme there, and I'm thinking, like I said, I don't watch news. I don't watch unfiltered news, but because I have the friend filter stuff set up, I'll watch. And I'm I'm entirely nonpartisan. Like, like I'm like whoever's in office. If you're attracted to be in political office, you're probably like a bad person. Demented. Yeah, right. So like I don't really care what like flag you wear, whatever. Like like you're you felt a need to do this, so whatever. Uh, and sorry if you're a politician listening, you might be a good person. I just have never met you. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm just that, that was, I'm pissing off. There's a little bit of humor in it. That yeah, was I know, but now I'm like pissing off. Actually, I have friends in all sorts of things, but I, I don't think they're all bad people either. I'm just ranting. But what I, I do know is I will see clips from Fox News. I'll see clips from CNN. I'll see clips. But they're usually one-minute clips and usually filtered by someone who said, this is totally interesting. And at that point, someone else spent – a hundred hours looking at the right. news to find the clips. So I, I don't want to throw it all out 
entirely, but I'm not willing to to search for like the occasional nugget as long as someone else does the search. And if their nugget detector isn't very good, like never follow that again. And so rapidly you get to see the one minute clip of like, well, that was inspiring. Yeah, and I think that's a good way to go. Again, I probably take an extreme. I, I like which, your extreme. Which to, to, to relieve that kind of decision stress. Like, I just know I'd rather read a book than... I just always default to that. I'd rather read a book than than watch the rough draft of history. But, uh, uh, you know, I mean, often I, I write. I want people to read my things. But again, a book, like you say, is, is it's it's so curated. Like, how many decades of knowledge go it went into The Bulletproof Diet and Headstrong? It's like four decades of knowledge. It, it's it's been. I, I just look back at the amount of time in the anti aging field, and just it, it's been my life's work. In addition to all like building early internet infrastructure that mattered greatly at the time, but now I'm like, this is what matters to me. Yeah, it, it, this is my best work that I can possibly do. Because if a hundred thousand people read this book and I fill it with crap, I'm a mass murderer. Like four hours times a hundred thousand. That's like multiple human lifetimes, right? Right. So, 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 so I'll take it one step further. People say if you're uninformed about the news, you won't be able to vote. Now, let's say you lived in California, for instance, the votes already, for president at least, is already predetermined. Like California is going one way, Texas is going another way. Like that's predetermined. But uh, I guess in, in general, I don't even know. Do, do you vote? I don't vote at all. No, I have never, <laughs> I have never voted. But- uh, You just pissed off everyone, right? I know, but, but here's the thing. You spent your time doing something Here's how I would argue if I were you and I had never voted. I would say I spent these decades doing something that's going to impact million. How many people have had a, a bulletproof cup of coffee? How many uh, cups la- of coffee? Last year was forty-eight million. So okay, yeah. so so how many millions of cups of coffee do you have to sell yeah. to outweigh? Oh, I didn't make one vote in California. Like yeah. probably ten cups of coffee is enough value so, to outweigh one vote. What do you say? So forty-eight million. There's people who say. People died for the right to vote, and you're not even using it. People also died so that you could write any book you want. People died so that you can create a company that could solve uh, massive health problems. People died so I could uh, write and focus my energies on what, what where I could have the most impact, positive impact on people. Voting, people kind of say, they kind of outsource their positive impact to a vote once every four years. I'd rather every day try to have positive impact. Man, uh I think it takes a lot of balls to say that, and I, I get I get hurt by it. Like I get hate mail. You're you're inspiring me to get hate mail because I'm 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 going to talk about something I really haven't talked about publicly. But what the hell? All right. When I was 18, I studied all of the political stuff. I was like every ballot measure, all this crap. Why? And, uh, well, because I thought it was my civic duty. I'm like I have a right to vote. Like all this stuff, I, I should go exercise this. And besides, I was 18. What the hell do I know? So I, I went out and I voted and every single person I voted for, the first thing they did when they got in office was the exact opposite of what they promised to do. And it didn't matter, matter whether I voted for a ballot measure or not, because your vote is essentially lost in a huge sea of votes. So I looked at that and I said, you know what? There's no point to this. I spent probably 20 hours preparing to become an informed voter and it didn't matter because there were liars who I voted for and because the ballots, they're also like poorly written and they're all special interest groups. And I just said, this is a huge waste of time. I'm not going to do it anymore. And I resolved at this point, I'd rather do something that matters. Right. And it can matter to me or at this point matters to someone else. So yeah, I, I don't vote either. 
And I don't vote either because also I'm a computer hacker by training. And I can show you which major elections were hacked and exactly how. And God damn it, we know that. And this isn't a conspiracy theory thing like that. It's just math. So, right? so, so between hacked elections and lying <laughs> politicians, I don't understand why people are get so upset about I, the voting thing. I, I don't Do, again, you, there's so many ways. Help an old lady across the street every day one, for a year, and you've done much better than one, that vote. One meaningful act of kindness does more to shift the country than voting. It, yeah. it does. One, I mean, if you do one every day— you have completely moved the needle in a way that you will never do in a lifetime of voting. Plus, there's I, all I sorts of evidence that. that doing that is healthy. It, it helps you to help other yeah. people. Like, it feels good. And acknowledging that you help other people as a selfish act is not a bad thing either. But it makes the world a better place. And like you, I, I, I just fundamentally believe I can do more with that time to yeah. serve others or just to be a good father. Right to be a good husband than worrying about all that, like thinking and worrying and stressing. And I know some amazing people who are top of their field who are like losing sleep and like experiencing true anxiety, whether they're liberals or conservatives, just over this election. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you never had control. Depressed. Yeah, people getting. Um angry like you know friend versus friend like it's yeah. a civil war uh, yeah. you know in the streets right and it's not like there's only two two decisions like like there's tens of thousands of variables and just lumping them into two things so you can like be black or white i don't i just don't get it like like i i share values with people who are on all sides of political fences and uh, so just to decide i'm not going to be stressed about that i'm not going to be unaware but I, i'm just i'm going to I'm going to focus on the things that deliver the most value and I'm going to be okay with what happens. And if it's really not okay, there'll be many other people with pitchforks in line ahead of me. Like it's okay. So, so I have to ask you one piece of advice before we close this podcast. Uh, and it's, it's related to your, your headstrong book, even though I know you've, you probably are tired of speaking no, about it nonstop. It, it's a great work of of many hours. I'm happy to share. What what is it? So in my in my you know I, in my approach of you know I want to make as many fun and good choices for myself as possible. I decided this very evening I'm going to do stand up comedy to 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 get myself out of my Did comfort you really? zone. Yeah. So good. I so I I knew a guy who runs a club and I'm going up and and I'm not. I'm not tweeting about it or Facebook. I'm just going up like all nice. the rest of the comedians. No, no, <laughs> not like a talk based around me mm -hmm. or anything. And uh, 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 but now I'm starting to get scared about it. So what headstrong things should I do between now and 9 p.m. to uh, to to get my energy levels high, to be calm and and to be good? I am going to answer this for you. And as part of the answer, I got to tell you, I did exactly this for headstrong because pushing your limits is important. I recorded my first rap. Okay. okay, that's that's good. I have zero skills. And my friend uh, Craig Handley from Listen Trust was like, Dave, I was invited to go on tour to 300 cities with a really big rapper. He goes, you wouldn't guess that I'm a power lifter, but I, I can rap. So we went down. He like laid down lyrics and like I'm throwing down. Okay, I have no skills that's at all. That's pretty cool. It actually, I want to do that. It was pretty, it was a little stressful, but it was also like really kind of fun because I, I dealt with the stress. So I wasn't feeling anxiety when I did it. It was just like, joy and a little bit of mirth and self-deprecating humor. But we're putting the video out for Headstrong, and it's like one of the lines is, you got muffin top in your crop. And like it's it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever done. There's a video, all that stuff. So this was way outside my comfort zone because okay. I'm like more of a university lecturer by training. Like I can give a good speech. but So I, I feel what you're doing is literally over the last month, I've been like, did I really just do this? So 
first thing you want to do is you want to do some deep breathing exercises. Do you have you ever done the heart rate variability stuff that we've talked about before? No. All right. So normally I would tell you. In fact, you have an iPhone, right? Yeah. I will. Oh no, I have an Android. An Android. Oh crap, that's not going to work. I would say I could I could loan you my heart rate variability thing, but if we have time at the end of this, I'll actually hook it up to your ear and and you can do this. And I'll tell you, for ninety nine bucks, you can get a heart rate variability sensor. It's very small. It'll fit in your one of your three outfits pockets. You need to do this for twenty minutes a day for six weeks until you learn how to get conscious control of your fight or flight response. Because what I do before mm. I go on stage, and I was on Tony Robbins' stage two months, or sorry, two weeks ago in front of 9,000 screaming people. It was really epic. Not a drop of stress, not even a little bit. And the the way you do that is you take a deep breath. And I'll walk you through this, but it's easier when you have a sensor telling you you got it right. So what you're going to do, you're going to do this before you go on stage. You can do it a couple times before then. You close your eyes. And you take a deep breath in for about five seconds and you focus on the center of your chest, like right in your sternum. And imagine like a, what it feels like there, not what it looks like, but actually the sensation, like the tingly or like if someone was touching it, you might even want to touch your chest when you do it. And as you breathe in, focus the injury right there and then fill a balloon. Just as it could be as big as your body, as big as the world. Doesn't While matter. you're inhaling. While you're inhaling. So you're like, you're feeling this balloon. When the balloon is full, then you imagine puppies, right? It could be puppies. It could be the first time you met your wife, you know, a hug with your mom, the most emotionally joyful, amazing experience. Like maybe the first time you held one of your kids, like like really intense. But imagine what it felt like on your skin, in your body. It, it's the felt sense that gets deep in your tissues. And as your balloon is full, you just breathe up and out and let that just kind of come down around you. And do that over and over, five, six times, do it for even 10 minutes. What that does, that turns on that deep sense of just gratitude and joy, and it absolutely pummels the anxiety and the fear and the stress. And when you do that, it actually can help other people and train their nervous system to you. And this is something I do before mm. I go on stage. So, so you inhale for five seconds. You, you, you do mm -hmm. this various visualization, which yeah, I remember. You breathe out for five seconds. And you, how long do you hold it? the breath in? You can, if you're doing a box breath, you do five seconds. But with this kind of breathing, just breathe in for five release and as you re release and just breathe out for five you're doing okay. it through your nose is better so it's and now you say six weeks i'm talking about tonight yeah will this just, work just doing this tonight? this will work for tonight but if you do this every day with a sensor for six weeks you'll actually develop a new control system for your nervous system that allows you to feel when you switch out of this mode which is now my native space this is the mode of gratitude mm -hmm. and and just openness this is a parasympathetic dominant mode. So you can think on your feet and still be funny and still connect with people without bypassing your thoughts and going straight to your amygdala. So this is going to really help you. And the other thing you want to do is you want to have lots of energy when you do it, but not like jittery, cranky energy. Right. So if coffee helps, fine. I, it's going to ruin your sleep if you do that. So I would say you want to have some brain octane. You want to have some of the mitochondrial stimulants. What do you normally have for dinner? Uh, fish. Fish. Okay, cool. So do you feel better after you eat or before you eat? Uh, I don't know. I'm not really that. You're in, not that sensitive. Okay, cool. So then have a light meal with fish and lots of veggies and do it probably an hour before. All right. And if you do that, you're, uh, you're going to have some energy there. And I would, before you, before you go on stage, like a few like short-term energy enhancers, what, whatever, whatever works for what's, you. What's a, I'll give you some unfair advantage. Like, right. like literally that is the best stuff before stage. I need I'm unfair not, advantage. I'm not trying to pitch my stuff at all here. I'm just telling you that's what I do before I go on stage. And just just be calm, and, and before you walk out there, 
this will sound goofy, but just just feel love for the audience. Like, like literally, don't think about love. Feel love and just send it out of you and connect with them that way. And like, like you'll do well. Excellent. All right. Well, thank right, you, man. Dave. That was fun. Yeah. If you like this episode, you know what to do. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the James Altucher Show because you can tell this guy is really, really amazing, even though he doesn't vote, which makes him a bad person. <laughs> and... Uh, let's see. You should also leave him a five-star review. Leave me a five-star review. Pick up a copy of Headstrong if you don't have it yet. It just hit number, I think it was number six of all books on Amazon this week. And I saw number one of the new releases. Uh, so I appreciate your support. If you guys pick up a copy of the book, it's really, really meaningful. So thanks, James. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.